learning that the more that we make the choice to be filled with gratitude, to thank, to intentionally be thankful that we kind of transition from uh, saying thanks to, um, to living thanks, to understanding that thank you, like love, is not something you say, it's something that you do. And uh, it's life-changing. Uh, no wonder it is spoken of so often in Scripture. I saw something this past week in my study that I had never seen before, and I wanted to share that with you. It is a proclamation uh, issued by President George Washington in 1789. I haven't done the math, but it seems to me that that's about 225 years ago. I believe that we live in the greatest nation on earth. I believe that you would have to be blind in your heart, uh, not to see that God has blessed this nation in an incredible way. And I wonder if this might be one of the reasons why. Here's what George Washington proclaimed to all of the people of the United States, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and, to humb and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Com Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all, that, of all the good that was or that will be. That's not politically correct, is it? I think Thanksgiving is a Christian holiday. When it was established, it was established to give thanks to a sovereign and almighty God and to acknowledge that everything that we have uh, comes from him. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture this morning, the book of Colossians. That's in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. In the first chapter of Colossians, there's a lot of great, great meat, meat here in this passage of Scripture, but I, I, I want to share it with you, and I want to ask the Holy Spirit to use whatever He wants from this passage of Scripture to teach you, to change you, to mold you and shape you to prepare you for his use. So let's pray and ask him to do that. Father God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit indwells every believer. And we ask that your Holy Spirit be active this morning. We ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit who indwells us and whose presence is in this place at this very moment might give us clarity to your word. I pray, Lord, that you would build us up. I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that you would teach us, that you would change us and mold us that you would make us even a step closer in this day into the people that you want us to be so that through our lives other people might see you 
I pray that you might prepare us for use so that through our lives you receive glory and honor and praise. And I love you, and I pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Galatians, Galatians uh, chapter 1. I want to begin in the third verse, if I could, and I'll read through uh, verse 8, and I'll make a couple of comments, and uh, then we'll spend our time on verses 9 through 14. Verse 3 says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he is saying that I thank God for you. This church that is in Colossae, some people pronounce it Colossae, that's my preferred uh, pronunciation. He's thanking God for people. We ought to thank God for people. He says, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, you've heard the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it. From, from Epirus, Epirus, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. This is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul when he was in prison. In that same imprisonment, he wrote the, the, uh, the epistle to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, um, as well as, as, um, as one other uh, epistle. Philemon, Philemon. Ephesus is located about 100 miles west of Colossae. Uh, Ephesus was a was a, a city of commerce. It's a city of trade. It was one of the main trade ports in in Asia Minor. Uh, there was a businessman named Ephorus, Ephorus, who lived in Coloss who probably was on business in Ephesus. While in Ephesus, he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He repented and was baptized, and his life was transformed. He became a Christian, and upon his return to Colossae, he began to tell other people about this incredible experience that he had. He began to proclaim the name of Jesus one person who is controlled by the Spirit of God can radically impact a community. One person that is controlled by the Spirit of God can radically impact a community. The Apostle Paul mentions this businessman here in the Scriptures. He talks about how he has taken the gospel of Jesus Christ back to his community, and now there is a church established there. By the way, the Apostle Paul never visited Colossae. I imagine there's some of the elders of Ephesus went there. This church, as it's described here in the first chapter of Colossians, evidently was a great church, a spirit-filled church, a church that was being used by God greatly. And Paul was thankful for what was taking place in that church. A lot for us to learn from those first eight verses, but we begin, or we continue in verse 9. And he says, and so from the day that we heard the testimony of what was going on there at your church, we've not ceased to pray for you. 
And he tells, this is how we pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'm sure there were great needs in the community, the city of Colossus. I'm sure that there were those who were sick. I'm sure that there were those who were poor. I'm sure that there were those who were homeless. I'm sure that there were those who had questions. But, but, but his prayer is not that God would meet those needs, though we ought to pray those prayers. We ought to trust him in those things. Their prayer was more on the eternal things than the temporal things. Their prayer was that they might continue to grow in their understanding of who God is. Their prayer is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I think this is three components of spiritual growth that we ought to at least be aware of. We ought to acknowledge these three components. They have everything to do with our own spiritual maturity, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And how those things apply in our lives. Knowledge is, is really a, 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 an accumulation of facts. It's the facts, man. It's knowing about God and knowing who He is. Knowledge is what you know. I want to say that knowledge all by itself has very, very little value in the kingdom of God. It's as we we begin to experience the knowledge, the truth that we've learned, that we begin to have an understanding of how it's applied in our lives. There's a difference between knowledge and understanding. And the prayer for these people at Colossus was that, that they would grow in their knowledge, that they would grow in their understanding, and they, they, that they would grow in wisdom. Understanding has to do with personal experience, life experiences. You can look at it this way, if you will. Knowledge is, is, what we, is what we want to receive on Sunday. Understanding is what we want to experience Monday through Saturday. We want to we live out what the Holy Spirit has given us, the truth that He has given us. We want to we hash it out through our life experiences. We want to take our life experiences... And we want to compare it to God's Word. We want to compare it to truth. We want to understand it according to to God's Word and God's truth. We want to have that kind of perspective on it. And as we do that, we begin to grow in our understanding. We grow in our understanding when we serve. We grow in our understanding when we give. Serving and giving, that's part of the facts, man. That's part of knowledge. That's part of the truth. That's part of what God's Word teaches us. As we, as we live that out in our life, we begin to understand why. We say to y'all, hey, you, you know, you ought to find a place of service. And immediately we think to ourselves, well, they need me to serve. I mean, that, you know, if I don't serve, things aren't going to get done. But, but really, that's not the priority in asking you to serve. We need you to serve. Please don't misunderstand. But the reason that we say, hey, you ought to find a place of service is so that you might experience God in that service. The reason that we say, hey, you ought to give. You ought to give. Because we want you to experience God in giving. There may not be anything else you can do where you can experience God more than in giving. 
Well, it takes faith to do that. It takes trust to do that. It takes belief to do that. There's no question that God's Word teaches us to do that. There's no question about that. That's the knowledge part. But when we begin to live it out, when we begin to experience it, then we begin to experience the reality of His involvement in our life, the reality of His Word, the trustworthiness of His Word. We say you ought to share your faith. You ought to tell other people how your life has been transformed. You know the number one benefit from doing that? Experiencing God in your life and have an understanding of the truths that are in His Word. That's the number one benefit. God doesn't doesn't need us to share with the world His truths. He can do that any way that He wants to, but it is His plan, it, 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 it is His his strategy, it's his structure to use people, to use believers, to use Christians, to use you and me to proclaim the truth of Christ to the world. We begin to understand why he did that when we do it. We begin to experience him. We begin to be challenged in our faith. We begin to be changed. We begin to grow. There's a knowledge, there's an understanding, and there's a wisdom. Wisdom, defined the simplest definition I can think of for wisdom, wisdom is what God tells you to do. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom does not come from knowledge or understanding. Wisdom comes from God. So I, 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 I grow in my knowledge. I, I want to grow in knowledge. It's very, very important. I need, to, under, I, I need to, to know what the Word has to say. I want to grow in my understanding. But as I grow and as I'm being changed, wisdom is what God says to me. Here's what I want you to do with that, Dale. That's wisdom. Here's how I want you to apply that. That's wisdom. This needs to be a, 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 an important part of our spiritual journey. It, 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 was, it was what Paul prayed for this church at Colossae because, because he knew that in those things, that if they would continue to devote themselves to those things, that they would continue to grow. And as they grew, that they would continue to impact their city, their, their community for eternity and for the kingdom of God, which is the only thing that lasts. In verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I pray that you would grow in your knowledge and your understanding and wisdom. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. As you grow, listen, and this is really kind of the point this morning, that, that as you grow, there's this natural manifestation, this natural outflowing of your life a life that is lived pleasing to God. He describes that life for us, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. We live worthy and we please Him when we bear fruit in every good work. When we grow in the knowledge of God, when we're strengthened with all power according to His might. Listen, it was just a month ago, we concluded a series in John chapter 15 and 16, unleashing the power within. 
We talked about how a loving father takes away those parts of our life that have been nourished by the world instead of the spirit. He prunes us. We talked about his involvement in our life. We talked about what it meant to just live with him, abide with him, be with him, experience his presence, the the value in that and how that changes us. We talked about abiding, this wonderful, marvelous, incredible truth that's transforming, that's life-changing. We talked about that the Spirit of God indwells in every believer that with that Spirit comes this supernatural, unexplainable power to do the things that God has called you to do. And that, and, and that through that obedience and through that power that works through us, that there's this fruit that is produced in us. We don't produce the fruit. God produces the fruit in us. But people see that fruit. They see the difference. And it's glory to Jesus Christ. All right. All of that was knowledge. You won't get an understanding of that unless you experience it, unless you live it out. Unless you say, you know what, on Monday, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try what was taught. I'm going to try this unleashing the power within. I'm going to try abiding. I'm going to try being used. You know, I'm going to step out in faith. And, And as we do that, we begin to have an understanding understanding of who God is, an understanding of how he involves himself in our life, an understanding of of the truth that we've learned. And then God, the Holy Spirit, whispers in our ear, here's what I want you to do with that. I, 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 I want you to, we've been talking about this for years he says to you, I, but, but now, as you've grown in your knowledge and your understanding, I want you to, I want you to walk next door and, and just tell your next door neighbor that I love him and I die for him. That's wisdom. I, 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 I want you to sacrificially give. That's, that's wisdom. I want, you to, I want you to serve me in this arena, in this area, in this, to this group. That's wisdom. And we... We grow, and, 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 and as we grow, this, this natural outpouring, this manifestation, bearing fruit, growing in who God is, understanding, knowing His character, strengthened with all power. And here's one of the manifestations. Here's one of the natural outflowing, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. So, so thanksgiving is a choice that we make. I'll call it a spiritual discipline. I'm going to begin, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be sensitive to God's incredible blessings and I'm going to thank Him for it. That's a choice. But thanks living is a natural outflow of what God is doing in me as I grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom. That's what it says here in the Word, giving thanks. It says in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, giving thanks to the Father, giving thanks to the Father. I think that's what I want us to get. That thanks living, that thanks living is a fruit. 
that thinks living is produced in us. God produces that in us. It's evidence of spiritual growth. It's evidence of relationship with the Father. It's, it's evidence of being controlled by the Spirit. You're controlled by the Spirit. Thanks living will be a part of your life. It has to be. And we thank God in verses 12, 13, and 14. We, we thank God because He has qualified you giving thanks, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. For what? To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's made you a part of his family. And not only that, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness. We thank him. We thank him that, that we're a part of his family. We thank him that he has given us power over sin. We thank Him that He has transferred us into the kingdom of His Son. That He has redeemed us, providing the forgiveness of sins. Hey, look, it's good, it's right to thank Him for all the material blessings that He has lavished upon you. A place to sleep, food to eat, people to interact with, a job, a vehicle, whatever. These incredible, incredible but that's not what the, the natural outpouring is for us to go, oh my God, thank you that I'm a part of your family, that I'm your child. Thank you that you've delivered me, you've given me, you've given me power over sin. This is that Romans 8 that we spent so much time with. This is something I'm experiencing in my life, and it's intensifying and intensifying and intensifying this incredible battle, this war, this brutal brutality that takes place inside of me. Flesh or spirit, flesh or spirit, what I want or what he wants. I need to, I need to thank him that he's given me victory over the flesh. It should be a natural outpouring. You know what? The more that I, I thank him, the more I'll experience that. And I need that, man. I'm telling you, I told Pastor Jim, my flesh is so strong. It's so strong. And we want to start thanking God. You know, I've, I, I've sometimes challenged, let's make a list. Take a piece of paper, a blank sheet of paper. Take a pen, number it from 1 to 100. Just start thanking God for your blessings. And man, we start knocking it out. Boom, 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 boom. We get down to about number 20 and we, start, we have to start thinking. Hmm, what else is there? And oftentimes in that top 20, there's nothing about being qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints or being delivered from the domain of darkness or being transferred into the kingdom of His Son, being redeemed, having forgiveness of sin. Why oh, you... That's what we want to thank him for. Then, as we're growing in thanks living, we begin to see a manifestation. What does a life look like that is a life of thanks living? Well, there's worship. Well, what is worship? Well, the best definition of worship that I've ever seen is 
I'll paraphrase this for you, Romans 12.1. As a direct result of God's mercy, His demonstrated mercy in our lives, I, I beg you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him, which is a reasonable act of worship. Worship is giving ourselves wholly and totally to Him. Worship is serving. Worship is giving. Worship is singing. Worship is praising God. Thanks living is growth. You know, knowledge and understanding and wisdom, it becomes a lifestyle for us. It's giving. I want to I tell you that, that, that a... An integral, um, a necessary, a you can't love God and not give. You can't. You can't. You can give and not love God. But you can't love God and not give. Well, we give in all kinds of ways. You can give your talent and your time and your energy. This morning, uh, when you leave on the on the Christmas trees in the hallway, there we've we've got more um, ornaments than than we expected to have. All of a sudden, this past week, we've just been flooded with requests of children who who probably won't have a gift at Christmas unless someone steps in and says, "I'll provide that," and we want to be a part of that. And we thought we had about three hundred gifts that we needed to get, and it turns out we probably have. Eight or nine hundred, I don't even know, a thousand. There's a whole bunch. <laughs> you guys, the first service responded so incredibly well last Sunday that we didn't have any to give to the second service. You know what that says to me? There's a bunch of people here who love God. Because when you love God, you, you give. And here's another thing that I, I, I hope will will be something we talk a whole bunch about in the new year. It's telling other people about Jesus. A life of thanks living tells other people about Jesus. This, uh, this fella, Epaphras, gets saved. God transforms his life, and he couldn't wait to tell people about Jesus. So he goes back and he says, my life has changed. And they say, what do you mean? Well, once I was dead, now I'm alive. Once I was blind, but, but now I see. Once my life had no meaning and purpose, but now it does. Why? What, what happened? Tell, tell me more. Jesus. Jesus. I, I, I think that our church ought to have a little bit higher emphasis, a, a, a little bit more intentionality a greater challenge in the area of telling other people about Jesus. And you want to you grow in your knowledge? You want to grow in your understanding? You, know, you ought to tell other people about Jesus. I, I think that when we're truly grateful, when we're truly thankful, 
that He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, that He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. When that really means something to us, it's not just words that we say. That's something that we're, we're living out. When we're thankful that He's transferred us to the kingdom of His Son, that He's redeemed us, providing us forgiveness of sins. When we're truly thankful for that, when we have gratitude for that, our hearts are overflowing. It's unbelievable to us. How can that possibly be? The God of the universe would do that for me. We can't help but tell other people about it. And that's why I say this life of thanksgiving, it, it, it turns from being a, a, a life that I discipline myself to tell somebody about Jesus to it's just a natural outflowing of my experience with Him. Telling other people about Jesus. Thanksgiving. Hey, uh, I think we ought to have a desire to tell other people about Jesus. But can I tell you that while the Holy Spirit can do anything that He wants through you, supernatural, unexplainable things, that it's always better to know how to share your faith, to know how to tell other people about Jesus. I want you to think right now about your work environment. If you're a student, your school environment. Just think about it. Put yourself there. Put yourself in the office. Put yourself in the classroom. Put yourself in the plant. Put yourself on the, on the field. Put yourself there. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to know this. That's your mission field. You're not there by accident. God has providentially placed you there. On purpose. For a reason. God wants to use you there. That's your mission field. Maybe it's not the entirety of your mission field. Your neighborhood's your mission field. Your family's your mission field. But I want to tell you, you spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week, that's your mission field. That's your mission field. That's your mission field. And as we grow through this, 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 this knowledge and this understanding and this wisdom, people begin to see Jesus in you. That's called fruit. God's produced it. We ought to tell people the difference. Look, this is the difference. I want you to watch a 60-second video. It's, um, it's about a guy who really, really has a desire to tell people about Jesus in his workplace, but he don't really know how. Peter, show that video. If you would, it's just 60 seconds long.
I think one of the responsibilities we have as a body of believers here is to be a resource for you in, um, in training. Uh, on December the 12th, uh, I, I, I think that's a week from this Saturday, uh, we're going to have a, a seminar right here at our church, and it's going to be how to share your faith in the workplace. Uh, Ryan Seipler, uh, one of our own, is going to lead us in that seminar. He's been trained well in this. He's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Ryan, raise your hand. Why don't you stand up so everybody can see you. has a very distinctive look. There you go. <laughs> and Ryan's going to be in the, uh, in the lobby as we dismiss this morning. I want to encourage you about this. I know it's a busy season. This is a one-time, one-day, I should say, one-day seminar. I think it starts about 9 and ends at noon. We're going to have breakfast together. It, it, it'll have value in your life. And look, look don't, don't, don't lose sight. We ought to share our faith. Um, but we do that so that we can experience the reality of God in our lives, so that he becomes more real to us. Someone hears the gospel and they get saved. Yes, that's why we do it. But I want to tell you that God's plan is that we be the conduit, that we be the messenger, that we be the preacher. How will they know without a preacher? How will they hear without a preacher? That we be that so that we can experience him. So he becomes more real to us. So we grow. And I, I, I believe that we're more effective in that when we know how. And I want to encourage you in regard um, to this opportunity that we have on December the 12th. So, thanksgiving or thanks living? Thanksgiving, discipline, choice. I'm going to be thankful. It's important. Thanksgiving, a natural outpouring of my experience with him as I grow through knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Let me invite you to stand. You got some knowledge this morning. You got, you got some knowledge, this is not, not mine, <laughs> from God's word. Will you grow in your understanding of it in the days ahead? The answer to that is yes. If you'll apply it, if you'll experience it, you'll experience him. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for this simple and short word. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. My heart overflows with gratitude. You've blessed me beyond measure. And I could spend hours thanking you for things. But I want to thank you that you've made me part of the family of God. I want to thank you that you have taken my sin away. I want to thank you that you have given me power over the flesh. Power over sin. I, I don't have to be in bondage to my flesh. In bondage to sin. In bondage to habits. In bondage to addictions. I don't have to be. You've given me power over that. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for the inheritance. I want to thank you for heaven. I want to thank you for dying for me. I want to thank you for living inside of me. I want to thank you for the fellowship that you and I share. I want to thank you for the direction that you give me and the wisdom that you impart. Wisdom comes only from you. 
I want to thank you for not giving up on me. I want to thank you for continuing to mold me and shape me. I want to thank you for continuing to change me. God, may this, may this be my lifestyle. May this be who I am, Lord, so I can continue to grow. I pray that that's the prayer of every individual in this room. I pray for them as Paul prayed for the church at Colossae, that they would grow in their knowledge and their understanding and the wisdom of you, O God. In this time of worship, Lord, draw us to yourself. May we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.